Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Senior Analyst and Lead Advisor with Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Alexei Balaganski. He is Lead Analyst with Kupinger Coal Analysts. Hi, Alexei. Hello, Matthias. Great to uh, be here in the podcast again. So thanks for having me. Great to have you. And we want to talk about a topic that is getting more and more attention. And we want to talk about data-centric security. Right. To start out with that, can you give me please a quick definition? What is what is data-centric security? Ah, that's actually not as easy as it might sound because data-centric security is uh, just as elusive uh, uh, a buzzword, just like, for example, zero trust. Because uh, originally data-centric security was just uh, a concept, a vague theoretical idea, which emerged almost 10 years ago uh, and was uh, introduced by one American uh, scientist, uh, Rich Mogul. And the uh, original idea was quite simply, data has to be self-defending. Sounds crazy, sounds intriguing, probably doesn't work in reality, but that was kind of the original idea which then evolved into a set of rules and concepts uh, and like architectural patterns, if you will, which we will discuss today. But basically the original idea that uh, imagine uh, what, what would it be if your data could protect itself? It would be such, uh, it will be so easier and faster for analysts uh, to shift their focus from the infrastructure protection, which we mostly do nowadays because we have so many different types of infrastructure now. Like 20 years ago, your typical application would just have a database in the backend and probably a client in the front end. Nowadays you have clouds, you have Kubernetes, you have databases still, microservices, APIs, or mobile networks, uh, and so on and so forth. So you just have too much infrastructure. And if you focus on trying to monitor and protect each one of those separately, you just don't have enough resources. So would it be great to go back to basics and only focus on data protection? Right, and when you say, so on the one hand, you mentioned data does not protect itself. So this 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 idea did not work, as you said. Um, we don't want to protect any infrastructure. So what are the typical approaches when it comes to implementing data-centric security by protecting what you really want to protect, which is data? So what are the approaches to look at? Is it database security? Uh, well, one, one has to differentiate different kind of use cases. For some areas, it has been done already many years ago, and it kind of works, if unfortunately not adopted everywhere still. Uh, for example, if you remember the term uh, Information's, information rights management, IRM, it appeared uh, again uh, like uh, a decade ago or something. And the idea was that every time you move around a piece of data, it has to be protected by some kind of a, a container. Typically, it's just an encrypted uh, file with an attached uh, security policy. And only those users or applications that have a, a key to decrypt this container can actually do something with the data. Uh, this works great. Actually, this, for example, has been long been implemented in uh, Microsoft Office applications or Adobe PDFs. You can basically say that this particular document can only be opened by Matthias and he only can read it but not print it out or, for example, forward it to somebody else. On that level, data-centric security works wonders. Unfortunately, this is not 
it just does not cover all the use cases database data centric security is needed, right? Another area where there are some interesting developments nowadays is uh, homomorphic encryption. We have actually discussed this topic in an earlier uh, analyst chat episode, but basically the idea that uh, your data is always encrypted, and even if you want to perform an operation on it, for example, sum all the uh, transaction amounts over the last month, for example, or find an average uh, in a block of data, you perform it directly on encrypted data. It really kind of involves a lot of complicated mathematics uh, and a lot of uh, distributed computational methods involved, but it actually kind of works nowadays. And some vendors already offer solutions based on that. Again, unfortunately, it only works uh, when we are talking about like connecting large data centers or maybe doing some uh, transactions between banks and stuff like that. It would never work on your mobile phone, for example, or on the microservice level. So yes, uh, for all those uh, remaining use cases, we have to find some kind of a balance of uh, doing some kind of data-centric security with the limited technical opportunities we have. You've mentioned that already. We have different platforms where data needs to be protected. So you mentioned from, from cloud, from databases, on-premises, um, any, anywhere in between. On the other hand, we have these uh, these typical status of, of data being in transit, being at risk and at rest and being in use. Uh, so there, there are lots of options to protect um, data um, during its life cycle. So how can we choose the right and the proper solution? I think it's just also more than one um, category, one, more than one market segment to look at. How, what, what need people do when they really want to move towards data-centric security for their individual use cases? Where to start? Where to look? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right, uh, pointing out that data never rests, actually. It's always on in transition, it always moves, it always changes. Uh, it might even kind of be uh, split and then merged later again. It might go through different paths in parallel. So data does not exist in a vacuum. You cannot just protect data once and then sit on it and do nothing else. I mean, you can, but you won't derive any additional value from that data anymore. So the data has to be uh, available all the time for processing, for transmission, and so on. The question is, how do you uh, actually maintain uh, its uh, confidentiality and integrity at any point? Yes, you mentioned that uh, now it's typically kind of, uh, it's popular that people differentiate between data at rest, data in transit, and data in use. But from the data-centric uh, point of view, all those uh, states, uh, they don't matter anymore. Data is data, whether it's stored in a database, whether it's uh, being sent through an API endpoint, or maybe it's being processed uh, in some uh, encrypted enclave on a cloud server, doesn't matter. So ideally, uh, your data-centric security should work seamlessly across all of those situations. Unfortunately, we are not there yet, by far. Again, there are some edge use cases like homomorphic encryption, which actually do work exactly as I just tried to explain, but it would only work for specific uh, industries and uh, scenarios. Uh, otherwise, we have to be really inventive and uh, probably reuse our existing tools, but in a slightly different combination. 
But I guess the biggest challenge here is that kind of normally nowadays you will probably have a team of people whose goal is to secure a database and a totally different team of people whose uh, job is to maintain the APIs and the networking team and whatever other compliance team somewhere else. And again, this approach is kind of rooted in this uh, historical infrastructure-centric idea. Just doesn't work anymore. So first of all, we have to kind of reorganize our security completely. We have to reinvent it from the organizational point of view. Is there a typical starting point for moving towards data-centric security or are there typical use cases? I would guess many organizations use something like SharePoint and Teams and Office 365 where they store their unstructured data in large um, areas which are um, accessed by many people. If you want to apply data-centric security there, would that be a starting point? Are there solutions for that around? And again, I guess we go back to this idea that uh, data-centric security is actually more than one thing. It's not a technology. It's just uh, the way to approach security, if you will, just like zero trust. Whenever you go shopping for zero trust, you, you cannot just buy it at once. You have to understand that here you have to implement some new access management controls and over there you have to add encryption and here yet you have to have some kind of a point-to-point network tunnel. And altogether, they form this foundation, the zero trust architecture. The same applies here. Yes, uh, if we are talking about unstructured data like SharePoint, file servers, and so on, there are already solutions which are more or less turnkey, like that uh, Microsoft Office IRM. Unfortunately, they all have their limitations. Uh, this is why there is, like, I mean, there, there are whole markets, uh, market segments of solutions which only cater to that use case. And there is absolutely nothing wrong in just kind of using those solutions, continue using them. But you have to understand how it fits into the bigger overall security architecture. Because as soon as you are dealing with databases, the relational data, obviously you cannot uh, apply the same technology as you would do for files. And again, you probably have a database which has lots of security controls already. And some of those are maybe 30 years old there is nothing wrong with them, per se, but you have to know how they work together. So it all boils down to this idea that you have to have a layered security ar- uh, architecture. Again, this is, not, this is nothing new. This is the same approach which uh, was developed even before computers existed. Kind of defense in depth it actually comes from medieval uh, war theory, but it still applies nowadays as well. You just have to know those layers of defense have to talk to each other. They have to speak the same security language. They have to speak the same access uh, policy language and so on. If you can achieve it, basically you would have data-centric security without any magic technology. The question is how do you do that? Right. Usually at that end of an episode, we recommend looking at the research that we have. But from what you've said up until now, I assume there will be no such thing as a leadership compass data-centric security, but there will be focusing um, leadership compass documents on individual areas which might play a role in that area. Um, Am I right? There will not be a data-centric security leadership compass? Yes, uh, I, I guess this is uh, again kind of a limitation of our approach towards uh, 
market analysis because when you start looking at the market segment, it's usually already something which is established where you have competing vendors and so on. So yes, we absolutely have a leadership compass on database security, for example, and we have one on API security, and we have lots of others on endpoint networking uh, solutions, and of course, a lot of uh, identity-related coverage. The problem is that uh, all of those uh, separately won't give you the big picture. And unfortunately, there are very few vendors uh, which already kind of starting to think in that direction. But I would say there are quite a few, and uh, even if only, for example, you would focus on securing your data through the quote-unquote application chain, like if you only say, uh, I have this complicated uh, infrastructure which maintains my modern uh, microservice-based cloud-native hotel applications, so you already have like five to ten different uh, points where you would have to implement your layered security. You can find a vendor which would offer you a more or less uh, complete solution from one hand. I'm not sure if we uh, are supposed to uh, name those vendors in this uh, podcast, but uh, you can definitely talk to us uh, and we will give you all the necessary guidance. Right, and when we have these limitations, as, we, as you've mentioned, as we are looking at market segments, not at concepts, when we're doing this leadership compass, I really want to recommend your white paper that you did um, that actually is entitled Why Your Organization Needs Data-Centric Security, which right. gives a deeper insight into what we've discussed in just a few minutes here, which gives a bigger picture and um, a more strategic and more global approach towards data-centric security. So this is highly recommended, and I really would like um, those who are interested to go to our website and just pick up that white paper, which is, which is freely available, I assume, and that can be um, accessed there as well. So a white paper by you, Alexei, um, about data-centric yes. security. Yes, yes, thanks for mentioning that. But again, kind of be prepared that uh, after reading or such uh, high-level theoretical publications, you'll probably end up with more questions than answers. But that's okay, because those will be the right questions. You could be able to directly ask a vendor, for example. So get ready to uh, kind of... Uh, rethink your overall approach to cybersecurity, but again, that's okay. That would be the right change. Right, and really focusing on what needs to be protected instead of protecting infrastructure after infrastructure after infrastructure. Right, right. Um, I think that is really a, a, a good way to move forward to really protect what's worth protecting. Yeah, after all, I mean, they say that uh, data is the new oil now or data is more uh, precious than gold. I would even add it's now more pressure than printer ink, if you measure it by weight. But yeah, this is absolutely what you have to focus on. Like, uh, ideally, uh, your data has to remain secure and safe, even if all of your infrastructures fail. This should be your ultimate goal of cybersecurity, not the other way around. Right. Uh, great final words for this episode. Thank you very much, Alexei, for joining me. Thank you for, for raising that topic and for pointing out that there needs to be some, some more work to be done to get closer to a, an approach for data-centric security. For the time being, I'm looking very much forward to having another episode with you again about these topics as well. For the time being, thank you very much, Alexei, and have a great day. Thank you, Matthias. Goodbye. Bye-bye.